Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby Sosland. Today we are learning Masachet Ketubot Daf Ayin Aleph, page 71. Yesterday we studied the opening Mishnah of chapter 7 of Ketubot, Hamadir et Ishto Milehenotlo, a man who vows not to allow his wife to benefit from him. Well, yesterday we spoke about the steward, the Parnas, who would take care of the wife throughout the period of the vow. Today I'd like to actually move past the first 10 words of the Mishnah. Let's review the Mishnah from yesterday. Hamadira ishto mi lehenotlo ad shloshim yom ya'amod Parnas, one who vows not to allow his wife to benefit from him, he will appoint a steward for 30 days. If he vows for longer than 30 days, he must divorce her and give her her ketubah. The Mishnah goes on to provide several different such situations where the husband vows not to let her taste a certain type of fruit or not to let her adorn herself with a type of perfume. According to Rashi, this vow was actually made by the woman, and the husband only confirmed the vow. Konam kiemla. She said, I vow not to use this specific kind of bosem or perfume, and he confirmed it. In this case, he must divorce her immediately. On our daf today, the Gemara looks more closely at this vow. The question is, is the husband responsible for having confirmed this vow? Would he have even been able to annul this kind of vow? Was it a vow that could be legally valid? Towards the bottom of Amod Aleph, we see a Brita which suggests that a husband could not have the power to annul this kind of vow. These are the vows which a husband may annul. Elu dvarim shehaba'al may fare. Things in which they involve an affliction of the soul. For example, a woman who says, Im erchatz, im lo erchatz, if I bathe or if I did not bathe. Im et kashet, im lo et kashet, if I put on perfume or if I do not. Rabbi Yossi said that these are not regarded as vows involving inui nefesh. They don't actually involve affliction of the soul, but the following vows do involve affliction of the soul. Things like shelo ochal basar that I will not eat meat, v'shelo yain, that I will not drink wine, v'shelo et kashet or that I will not adorn myself with perfume or tzivonin, with colored clothes. For Rabbi Yossi, these are, in fact, vows that include inui nefesh. So he says these are matters that deal with things that affect their 
intimate relations. What does it mean to say she will not adorn herself with colored garments? Rabiosi sort of hints. What are we dealing with here? The Gemara asks, actually, these are very private things. And a husband may, in fact, annul this kind of vow. The Gemara asks, what does that exactly mean? And the answer is given, adornments that affect very intimate things between the two of them. Rabbi Yossi says that the husband may annul such a vow. But in fact, there is a debate here regarding adornments that would only affect their most intimate relations, let's say something that would only be seen by the husband and wife. Rav Huna Amar Haba'al Mefer. Rav Huna said the husband may and should annul this vow, but Rav Adabar Ahava says he may not. Why? According to Rav Adabar Ahava, a husband may not annul them. Shalom Matzinu Shu'al Shemet Ba'afar Pir. Rav Adabar Ahava's reasoning, we do not find that a fox dies of the dust in his den. So that is a strange and interesting line. What exactly does it mean? If there is an issue that is beino levena, an issue that is very intimate and that is um, just between the two of them, then the question is, can the husband live with the situation? And Ravada Barahava is saying, just as a fox can live with a certain amount of dust in his den, it's the way he is used to it, so too a husband can live without certain adornments in their most private spots. The same advice is actually given to the woman about other moments in the marriage. The fact is, the rabbis are giving some pretty good marital advice. If it's not going to kill you, you might as well do it. Or you might as well allow it to move through your marriage. A fox is not going to die from dust in his den. Come on, we can try to make some basic shalom bayit and just make it work, especially if it's not going to cause either partner pain. The very end of the daf reminds us that behind all of these debates about vows and about adornments and private parts is a core sense of the importance and the complexity of the marital relationship. The Gemara brings two verses from the Tanakh about relationships, and one has to wonder why each of these verses is chosen and brought in this particular case. Neither one is brought for a legal reason, and so we have to understand them as having a Gadic importance, as being brought to teach us a value. The Mishnah on Amudbet discusses a husband who vows that his wife may not visit her father. A man who vows that his wife may not go to her father's home, whether he is in the same city or in another city. The Gemara brings a verse from Shir Hashirim. I was in his eyes as one who is found to be perfect. So Rabbi Yochanan says that she is like a bride who is found to be perfect in her father-in-law's home. And now she wants to go show those praises in her father's house. 
And then the Gemara immediately continues with a verse from Hosea. On that day, God says, you will call me Ishi, my husband, and you will not call me Ba'ali, my master. This is like a bride in her father-in-law's house, and not like a bride in her father's home. This is a fascinating few lines of Agadita. Both Shir Shirim and the book of Hosea present the relationship between B'nai Israel and God as a marriage, but they present the marriage in very different ways. In Shir Shirim, the marriage is between a young bride who has been found perfect in the eyes of her beloved. But in Hosea, it is a completely different story. Remember that the prophet Hosea is commanded by God to marry a prostitute. God wants the prophet to understand what it feels like to be betrayed, just as God has been betrayed by the people of Israel. In Hosea, B'nai Israel is the cheating wife, and God takes us back again and again, finally telling us that we can call God Ishi, my husband, a more intimate term than Ba'ali, my owner. These two verses brought together the form a powerful meditation on marriage. Some marriages have a quality of innocence and perfection along the lines of Shiro Shirim, a bride found perfect in the eyes of her father-in-law and going back home to share the excitement and the praise of her new marriage. Other marriages are longer lasting and perhaps moving past hurt and even a sense of betrayal at times to arrive at a more mature love a love that has passed through difficulties and yet remains strong nonetheless. And the truth is, the Gemara seems to understand, most marriages actually have both aspects to them. The early honeymoon moments, which feel so perfect, and the later moments where both partners agree to live with complexity and to move through whatever might occur. So think about the context into which these verses are brought. We're talking about husbands and wives who are making vows not to benefit from one another or to benefit from one another. Husbands and wives who are making each other adorn themselves in their most private places or refusing to do so. This is a world that is not the innocent, perfect, Shira Shirim world. This is a world like Hosea's world, where husband and wife must move past betrayal or ugliness and keep working towards building a Bayit Ne'eman Israel, a home that is filled with peace in the people of Israel. Both verses are coming to teach us something essential. In the middle of this Masachet, in the middle of all these discussions about the potential problems that arise in any marriage, we are reminded of the relationship between B'nai Israel and God. But God has taken us back again and again. And in our own human relationships, we might do well to practice imitatio dei, to strive to become godly, no matter what we may encounter in one another. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, 
available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.